Please join me in a spirit of prayer. Ground of our being, as we stand together at the start of a new academic year, we are grateful for the new class before us, for the promise of their talents and their lives, for their curiosity and intelligence and integrity. We are grateful as well for the privilege of years devoted to study and learning, teaching and learning, of filling our minds with all the knowledge they can absorb. Keep our minds and spirits restless so that our knowledge may grow into wisdom and wisdom grow into service, that our pursuit here of truths of every kind will contribute to just and good societies for all people. May your peace be within us and among us all. Amen. Please be seated. Good afternoon. Okay, let's try that one more time. Good afternoon. And Happy New Year. Having lived my entire life on an academic calendar, as opposed to the Gregorian calendar, I consider September and not January the true beginning of the new year. Growing up in my native Canada, the arrival of September conjures up memories of brilliantly colored autumn leaves crackling underfoot and crisp days and cool evenings that foreshadow the long winter ahead. September is also a time of shopping for new school shoots, sharpening pencils, and opening blank notebooks that will soon be filled with new knowledge. I recall a complicated mixture of nervous anticipation and thrilling expectation that my life might change at any moment. I hope you feel the same excitement today as you begin or resume your Princeton education. I wish to extend a warm and enthusiastic Tiger welcome to all new members of the university community and to those of you who are returning after the summer. To the 1,312 members of what I have every reason to believe will become the great class of 2014, we are delighted that you are finally here. We've been planning for your arrival for eight months now, since you pushed that send button and sent your life story to us. We laughed and sometimes cried at your stories, marveled at your accomplishments, and we see in each and every one of you the potential for leadership. You hail from 48 different states of the Union plus the District of Columbia. Something catastrophic must have happened in Kansas and North Dakota this year. And 47 countries on six continents. You come with 419 female first names and 314 male first names. Your favorite words include tongue twisters like mellifluous. Try that out sometime. I've been practicing for a week. Hullabaloo. 
finished. Hegemony. No one got hegemony. And tintinabulation. And I'm happy to report that at least one of you considers the best line from a movie to be the one from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone when Ron exclaims, what we did could have gotten us killed or worse, expelled. (laughs) It does strike me that this is the right attitude. (laughs) Takes a while. But it does strike me that this is the right attitude to assume at the beginning of your university career. But of course, I suspect you know all that already, having been Facebooking, Twittering, and texting one another since April. To the 636 new graduate students, I offer special greetings. This year's entering class is a strikingly cosmopolitan one as 39% of you are citizens of other countries, proves positive that Princeton is truly an international university. Whether you have come to develop your professional credentials in engineering, finance, architecture, or public policy, or to embark on a life of scholarship through doctoral studies, you have an important place in this community. I would also like to welcome the 33 new members of the faculty whose distinguished scholarly achievements and dedication to teaching in dozens of disciplines are certain to enhance Princeton's reputation for excellence in research and in undergraduate and graduate education. I also welcome new members of the staff. This university works as well as it does because we are blessed with a dedicated staff that oversees everything from strengthening our library collections to maintaining our impressive physical plant to the important task of balancing our budget and keeping us healthy. Finally, a warm welcome to the returning members of the classes of 2011, 12, and 13, as well as the graduate students and faculty who have spent the summer either here or away from campus pursuing their scholarly work. It will not have escaped your notice that we have not been resting on our laurels over the summer. The chemists have been especially busy as they began their move from Frick Laboratory, their home for the last 80 years, to their stunning new state-of-the-art facility in what will undoubtedly be nicknamed New Frick for the next few years. After all, we had a new, new quad for years until Butler College came to the rescue. New Frick, overlooking the Princeton football stadium with its cloud-filled atrium, was made possible by Edward Taylor, the A. Barton Hepburn Professor of Organic Chemistry Emeritus who many years ago discovered a chemical in butterfly wings that could halt the growth of cancer cells. Today, that chemical is a drug that is both saving lives and strengthening chemistry at Princeton. Now, getting to and from New Frick has now become a much less risky proposition with the opening of Stryker Bridge this summer. For athletes and their many fans, 
chemists, physicists, and biologists, I am happy to report that crossing Washington Road has ceased to be a life-threatening undertaking. Now, I am often asked by nostalgic alumni why the campus needs to continue to grow and to change. I didn't think there could be two winners of bingo. I thought there could only be one. In their view, the campus was perfect, especially during their four years. The answer, of course, is that the best universities not only respond to change, they lead it. And so as new ideas and ways of thinking are born, advances in technology create new fields, and old buildings crumble, Princeton must be both intellectually and materially at the forefront of discovery and change. It is now my pleasure to invite Dean of the College Nancy Weiss-Malkiel to recognize the academic achievements of seven exceptional undergraduates. Among the qualities that matter to us at Princeton, none are more important than intellectual engagement and academic achievement. It is especially fitting that we begin each academic year by honoring a select group of undergraduates for extraordinary accomplishment in their programs of study. I now have the privilege and pleasure of introducing this year's prize uh, winners. We begin with the Freshman First Honor Prize, which is awarded each year to a member of the sophomore class in recognition of exceptional academic achievement in the work of the freshman year. This year, there are two recipients for the class of 2013. Irene Yuan Lo and Chengying Zhu. Irene Lo lives in Sydney, Australia. She was graduated from the James Ruse Agricultural High School in New South Wales. An AB candidate, she's heading toward a concentration in mathematics and is considering a certificate in engineering and management systems. She lives in Wilson College. <laughs> Chengming Zhu lives in Shanghai, China. He was graduated from the Hotchkiss School in Lakeville, Connecticut. An AB candidate, he is considering a concentration in either mathematics or economics, along with certificates in both finance and applied and computational mathematics. He lives in Butler. Uh, 
it's my pleasure to present the Freshman First Honor Prize to Irene Lo and Cheng Mingzhu of the class of 2013. The George B. Wood Legacy Sophomore Prize is awarded each year to a member of the junior class um, in recognition of exceptional academic achievement in the work of the sophomore year. This year, the recipient for the class of 2012 is Ian Yu Wong. Ian lives in Irvine, California, where he was graduated from Northwood High School. An AB candidate, he is concentrating in the Department of Physics and pursuing certificates in musical performance, Russian language and culture, linguistics, and perhaps applied and computational mathematics. He is a member of Butler College. It's my, it's my pleasure to present the George B. Wood Legacy Sophomore Prize to Ian Yu Wong of the class of 2012. The George B. Wood Legacy Junior Prize is awarded each year to a member of the senior class in recognition of exceptional academic achievement in the work of the junior year. This year, the prize is shared by two members of the class of 2011, Carly Jo Wong and Vishal Shanani. Carly Jo Wong lives in West Hills, California. <laughs> she is a graduate of Harvard Westlake School in North Hollywood, California. An AB candidate, she is concentrating in the Department of Mathematics and pursuing a certificate in Applied and Computational Mathematics. And need I say it? She is a member of Butler College. <laughs> Vishal Chanani lives in Plano, Texas where he was graduated from Plano Senior High School. An AB candidate, Michel is majoring in economics and pursuing certificates in applied and computational mathematics, finance, and political economy. He is a member of Whitman College. <laughs> It's my pleasure to present the George B. Wood Legacy Junior Prize to Carly Jo Wong 
and Vishal Chanani of the class of 2011. We turn now to the Class of 1939 Princeton Scholar Award, an award given to that undergraduate who at the end of the junior year has achieved the highest academic standing for all preceding college work at Princeton. This year there are two recipients of the prize for the Class of 2011, Veronica Shuran Shi and John Vincent Pardon. <laughs> Veronica She lives in West Covina, California. She's a graduate of Arcadia High School. An AB candidate, she is concentrating in the Department of Classics. And after three years in the college which shall not be named, she moved this year to Maddie College. John Pardon lives in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and is a graduate of Durham Academy Upper School. An AB candidate, he is concentrating in the Department of Mathematics. Uh, John is a member of the college where Ronnie spent her first three years, that is to say, Butler College. It is my great pleasure to present the Class of 1939 Princeton Scholar Award to Veronica Shuranshi and John Vincent Pardon of the Class of 2011. I will be reciting Surat al-Fatiha from the Quran, first in Arabic and then in English. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem, bismillahir rahmanir rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, arrahmanir rahim, maliki yawmiddin, iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'een, ihdina al-sirat al-mustaqeem, sirat al-ladheena an'amta alayhim, غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين. In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. Praise be to Allah, the cherisher and sustainer of the worlds, most gracious, most merciful, master of the day of judgment. Thee do we worship and thine aid we seek. Show us the straight way, the way of those whom thou hast bestowed thy grace, those whose, those whose portion is not anger and who go not astray.
I will recite the Gayatri Mantra, first in Sanskrit and then in English. Om Bhurvasvaha Tatsavitur Varenyam Bhargo Devasya Dhimahi Vyoyona Prachodayat We meditate on Om, the supreme reality that pervades earth, interspace, and the heavens, that is the worshipful and adored Lord Sun, who shines as the light of consciousness in our intellects. Burn away our ignorance and illumine our intellects with the wisdom of the highest truth. I invite you to join me in a responsive reading of Psalm 104 as printed in your bulletin. Bless God, O my soul, O God, my God, you are very great. You stretch out the heavens like a tent, you set the beams of your chambers on the waters. You make the winds your messengers, fire and flame are your ministers. O God, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. I will be reading from Romans. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men.
I recently had dinner in Whitman College. with a group of freshmen who asked if I had any advice for them as they began their Princeton education. Of course, that is the purpose of the President's opening exercises address, to offer up one or two gems of advice that will help you successfully and happily navigate the university. Last year, I will confess that I got completely carried away and offered a top 10 list of things to do, leaving the class of 2013 completely exhausted before they even began. Having learned the lesson that less may well be more, this year I would like to explore with you two pieces of advice that come in the form of contradictions. In his essay entitled The Crack Up, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Princeton class of 1917, wrote that the test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas in mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. In this address, I'm going to ask you to try this out, and I do so with the utmost confidence that as Princetonians, you are more than capable of passing Fitzgerald's test. So here is the first test. It may seem like I am jumping the gun, but in the blink of an eye, just under four years, you will be marching out the Fitzrandolph gates, diploma in hand, ready to take on the world. There will be those among you who will go on to become doctors, dedicated to reducing human suffering throughout the world. I hope a few of you will take up the challenge of reforming the world's financial system by making it less susceptible to catastrophic recessions. Others of you will teach and inspire in the young a lifelong commitment to learning. There are future poets among you who will explore the complexity of the human condition and future dancers and musicians who will interpret anew works of art that have been handed down through the ages or create entirely new ones. One of you might invent the next version of the internet or start a company that takes better advantage of the one that we already have. I certainly hope there are those among you who will choose the life of the mind and spend your lives uncovering new knowledge and deepening our understanding of old ideas. I'm certain that some of you will use the law to protect the rights of individuals, possibly even joining the three Princetonians who currently sit on the Supreme Court. And I, yes, we're proud of that. <laughs> and I, fully expect that there will be those who will follow in the footsteps of James Madison, class of 1771, and Woodrow Wilson, class of 1879, in public service to the nation and all nations. These are just a few of the ways in which Princeton graduates have exercised the responsibility that comes with the privilege of a Princeton education.
The next four years will prepare you to join the centuries-long parade of alumni who have made a positive difference in the world. Indeed, one of the reasons why generation after generation of those graduates has supported this university is their conviction that talented and committed young men and women, armed with a fine liberal arts education, are the best guarantees of a better future for all. But now, for the next four years, I want you to set aside that pesky question, what will you do when you graduate from college? For answering that question should not be foremost in your mind as you embark upon this extraordinary intellectual journey. Instead, and this brings me to the heart of the contradiction, I hope you will consider the next four years as a time for unconstrained exploration and discovery of the world of ideas, not resume building. Never again will you live in such a rich intellectual and cultural milieu as the one that is waiting for you here. You have at your fingertips in Firestone Library one of the greatest research collections in the world. You will be taught by faculty who are without peer in their fields. And you have at your disposal world-class laboratory facilities. You have astounding classmates who will challenge you to think hard about everything you believe. And coaches, conductors, directors, and advisors who will stretch you to do things you never thought possible and, when needed, give you comfort. This is a time for pulling out all the mental stops, taking off any blinders, and pursuing what ignites your curiosity. Not a time to worry whether you are, what you are doing is practical or preparing you for a specific career. One of the great benefits of attending Princeton is that your education will prepare you not for one career, but for any career. In fact, it would be foolhardy to single-mindedly prepare for a single job at this stage in your lives. For demographic data predict that you will change jobs multiple times. Our goal, therefore, is to inculcate mental flexibility, resilience, and openness to change so that you will be prepared, literally, for anything. The second piece of contradictory advice is evident for me in even a casual reading of the undergraduate announcement and the course offerings. I suspect most of you have been searching through these guides all summer, salivating at the prospect of taking this course, intimidated by the thought of that one, mystified by the title of another. In your browsing, you will undoubtedly have noticed that the course offerings are arranged by discipline, many of which will be familiar to you from high school, English, physics, history, computer science. Others will be less so, anthropology, cognitive studies, public policy, operations research. 
by organizing the curriculum by discipline and offering degrees only in those subjects, we create the impression that all knowledge can be neatly segregated into buckets and that you will spend your first two years choosing into which deep well of knowledge you wish to dive and the second two years swimming around in it. It's certainly the case that the experience of immersing yourself fully in a question that fascinates you as you write your senior thesis is an intoxicating one for our students, especially in retrospect. Learning how to pose an important question, digging into the literature so you understand and appreciate that you are part of a continuum of seekers of truth balancing different viewpoints, and eventually taking a position yourself, and defending your conclusions to others are skills that will serve you well, independently of what you do in the future. Through the senior thesis, you will learn how to become a master of a subject. And it is that mastery, rather than the specific body of knowledge, that is most important. But is this the only purpose of a liberal arts education? The answer is not entirely. And herein lies the second contradiction. Increasingly, the world requires individuals with deep disciplinary expertise who can also bring broad understanding and vision to bear on their work. Narrow expertise is necessary but it is not sufficient to contribute to complex problem solving. Well, on the other hand, a jack of all trades who is a master of none brings little to the table. Your liberal education will reconcile this contradiction by endowing you with the mantles of both expert and generalist. Let me illustrate what I mean with one of the most vexing challenges facing our world that your generation will have to contend with and hopefully meet. Within the next few decades, sustainable life on our planet will require that we discover alternative forms of energy and ways to remediate the damage that has already been done to our ecosystem. Now at first blush, you might think that this is the sole task of future engineers and scientists. But nothing could be further from the truth. The development of new energy sources and the protection of the environment are challenges that call out for expertise in everything from moral philosophy to legislative policymaking to behavioral economics, in addition to the clear need for science and engineering. I can best illustrate this point by recounting the topics of senior theses written by the members of the class of 2009. Devon Ahern, a Woodrow Wilson School concentrator, wrote a senior thesis entitled, A Seat at the Table, Participation and the Effectiveness of Environmental Justice Policy. Denali Barron chose to write her anthropology thesis about the value and purpose of America's national parks. A math major, James Burgess, constructed a perfect plasticity approximation forest model. 
and Meredith Wall wrote about environmentally sustainable rural road development in Liberia to satisfy her geosciences senior thesis. What is striking about these topics is the very different disciplinary expertise each student brought to bear on an environmental issue. Yet their contributions would be destined to have limited impact if they were unable to frame them and integrate them into a much broader context. An example that illustrates what happens when experts fail to communicate with one another occurred over the efficacy of corn alcohol. It was only a few years ago that policymakers in Washington began lobbying for a major investment in corn alcohol as an alternative to fossil fuels. This became a major issue in the 2004 presidential election, with candidates rushing to advocate for corn alcohol and, of course, the Iowa farmers who grow that corn. On the surface, the idea of a clean-burning fuel from an abundant and cheap crop had much to recommend it. But the bubble was burst when scientists pointed out that the fossil fuel required to generate the corn alcohol was 29% greater than the energy value of the product itself. And according to studies by environmentalists, the direct and indirect environmental impacts of growing, harvesting, and converting biomass to alcohol far exceed any value in developing this energy source on a large scale. By requiring that you sample the breadth of human knowledge through the distribution requirements at the same time as you are learning to master a single question, the university is preparing you to avoid siloed thinking and the missteps that can easily arise from it. And so as you set forth on the great adventure that we call a Princeton education, I hope you will embrace the contradictions that I have described this afternoon, that you can best advance the specific careers that lie before you by preparing yourself for any career, and that knowledge can only serve you well when you both delve deeply and cast widely in your quest for new understanding. By making this your approach, you will go a long way to ensuring that the next four years will be among the most exciting and rewarding of your lives. I'm looking forward to getting to know each of you and to cheering you on inside and outside the classroom as you chart your course through this great university. And I hope you will leave our campus saying, as so many have before you, this place changed my life. Welcome to Princeton. Please rise and remain standing for the duration of the service. Please join me in a prayer for Princeton. O oh, eternal God, 
the source of life and light for all peoples, we pray you would endow this university with your grace and wisdom. Give inspiration and understanding to those who teach and to those who learn. Grant vision to its trustees and administrators. To all who work here and to all who bear her name, give your guiding spirit of sacrificial courage and loving service. A blessing from the Russian Orthodox tradition. Prayer of the student. Christ our Lord, the giver of light and wisdom, who opened the eyes of the blind man and transformed the fishermen into wise heralds and teachers of the gospel through the coming of the Holy Spirit. Shine also in our minds the light of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Grant us discernment, understanding, and wisdom in learning. Enable us to complete our assignments and to abound in every good work. For to you we give honor and glory. Amen. A blessing from the Jewish tradition. I will read a passage from Pirkei Avot, first in Hebrew and then in English. Hillel Omer, Al tifrosh min hatzibor, Val ta'amin ba'atzmecha ad yom motcha, Val tadun chavercha ad shetagia lemekomo, Val tamar davar shi'ifshar lishmoa, Sheshesofo lihishamea, Val tamar lichshe'epane eshne, Shema lotipane. Hillel says, Do not separate yourself from the community. Do not be sure of yourself until the day you die. Do not judge your fellow until you have stood in his place. Do not say anything that cannot be understood at once in the hope that it will eventually be understood. And do not say, I will study when I have the time, for you may never have the time. A blessing from the Sikh tradition. This is a reading from the teachings of Sri Gurunanak Devji. Contemplate and reflect upon knowledge so you will become a benefactor to others. Acquire that education which inspires humility and service to humanity. O oh, my minds, meditate on such wisdom and become a servant of the true Lord. I have not appreciated what you have done for me, O oh Lord. Only you can make me worthy. O oh, Nanak, if I am blessed with the name of the Lord, I live, and my mind and body blossom forth. A reading from the humanist tradition of thought by Albert Einstein. A human being is part of the whole, called by us universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings, as something separated from the rest a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting our personal desires and affection to a few persons near to us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty.
receive now this benediction. The renowned poet Langston Hughes penned these lines in the now long ago. Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. Hold fast to dreams, for when dreams go, life is a barren field frozen with snow. To that end, go forth, class of 2014, on this special day of commencement, this season of new beginnings, to discover the wisdom of the ages in expected and unexpected places. Go forth, stirring up the indescribable gifts within you. Nurture and nourish the deep place of your life through intellectual inquiry, conversations that create a community, and daring to discover more than you imagined. Go forth unafraid to partake of all Princeton University has to offer through the marvelously varied countenance of humanity within her gates. Learn something every day. Live for something every moment. Hold fast to your dreams, for they lead to your destiny. And may the Holy One, who has brought us together, go with you always. Amen.